0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis for BeaversEdge.com. We're back with another edition of the podcast. Following Oregon State's bye week they got a huge matchup with the Utah Utes at Reeser Stadium, 430 on Saturday. Again, welcoming in Jared Hallis, BeaversEdge.com recruiting analyst. Jared, how you doing, my man? And uh, how excited are you to get Beaver football back after a long two weeks?
1: Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm really pumped. It's it's been it's been a long week. Uh thankfully I had a busy week, so I didn't feel it too, too much. But I uh, dang sure I'm excited to sit back this Saturday and just do what do what I usually do on Saturdays, which is uh put two different TVs, maybe three on hmm. and just watch watch as much football as I can possibly consume uh burning my eyeballs out of my school. <laughs>
0: That's what, that's what I like to hear, man, a diehard. But, yeah, no, there were some uh, there were some good matchups this last week while Oregon State was idle, and, you know, we, we covered that at beaversedge.com. And, you know, Jared, just in the Pac-12 alone, uh, as it directly relates to Oregon State, and we'll get into it more in depth uh, down the line of the podcast, but just uh, I would say the, the most impactful game was Utah uh, knocking off then number 18 Arizona State to move to an undefeated mark and take control of the South. Were you surprised at uh, the Utes winning that game, Jared?
1: Um, I was. I mean, I think I think that Utah's been playing pretty well recently. They had a, a rough start to the season for sure, but they've they've been playing pretty well. And I mean, it's honestly hard to even say that they had a rough start because even though they were one and two, they lost to to BYU, who's always uh, a pretty hard nosed football team, and San Diego State as well, who's uh might still be ranked. I know they were ranked last week. I don't know how they played this this past week, but, but two, what, ended, what ended up being two pretty solid losses, and then you know, they've responded really well ever since, uh, beating Washington State, USC, and Arizona State. So what was looking like a game that I definitely had, uh, Oregon State as the favorites is now one where I think it, it definitely could go either way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like you said, you know, I'm not going to say that I wrote off Utah, but when they were one and two going into that game against Washington State, you know, I I didn't think too much of them a couple weeks ago. And, you know, then they they went a close game, um, you know, by perspective, the 11-point win over Washington State to uh, start conference play and then, you know, take a bye week and proceed to go down to the Coliseum and beat USC about the same way that Oregon State did and then – A a huge win this last week, as we mentioned, uh, knocking off Herm Edwards and the Arizona State Sun Devils who were riding high uh, up to that point. So, I mean, there's been a lot of reasons for Utah's success, but Jared, it it starts with their quarterback, Cam Rising. Since they made the quarterback change uh, several weeks ago, you know, Oregon State fans know a little bit about what that's like. Their new quarterback has played with incredible confidence and, He's he's going to be a challenge for the Beavers to slow down uh, on Saturday night, simply for the fact that I think the run defense has come along. But the secondary, it still leaves a little bit to be desired, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I know that that Oregon State fans will be happy to to be back in Reese Stadium uh, and definitely going to have some some interesting visitors there this weekend as well. Um, I know you, you posted uh, Travis's post on the board. So it's going to be a, like we said, you know, it just feels good to be back. It's going to be a fun week and, and should be a really competitive game on Saturday.
0: Jared, how do you, uh, just from your early uh, in, uh, impressions and just thoughts, obviously we're going to get an official visitor list later in the week. How impactful could this game be um, just from a visitor perspective, given that, you know, the last time Oregon state was in research stadium, they had, you know, the, the highest of highs as far as an emotional win knocking off the Huskies. Do you right. think that game a couple weeks ago was able to maybe grease the wheels to maybe get some uh, visitors in this weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, anytime you you show the, the guys that this is the environment that you can be playing in, uh, it makes other people want to go see what that's all about. So I think definitely the way that that game went against Washington and uh, uh, the way that the, the fans and the students showed out, Definitely, definitely help them, and, and will continue to help them as long as they're able to to continue doing it this season. Which, I mean, some some great home games still left on the schedule, so I have no doubt that that, that would be the case. But yeah, it certainly does help. There's no doubt.
0: We're not going to talk too much about the result, as you know, the Washington State loss was a couple of weeks ago, and we're a positive thinking podcast that uh, looks forward. But Jared, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. How do you just let's spin zone this and kind of talk about just from your perspective, how do you think Oregon State's going to handle, or how do you think they're going to handle and handled the bye week both in a past and present tense? How important do you think it was or timing-wise wasn't, was or was not important to get the bye week following such an emotional loss? And how do you think that'll sit and has sat with the Beavers kind of leading up to this game?
1: I think it's a – I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot more riding on this game, um, I think, for both teams. You know, like you said, Utah coming off a 1-2 and two start and now looking at 4-2, and two, and then Oregon State starting 4-1 and one, and then fresh off of, uh, of the loss against Washington State. It's, it feels like a really important game this Saturday. Um, you know, like you said, both teams right now control their own destiny in the Pac-12. Uh, but also, I think for Oregon State, they just want to prove that that last game against Washington State is not their identity um, and that they're more of the team that, you know, beat USC and beat Washington. Um, and I think that, that that's hopefully what's going to be the chip on the shoulder uh, that, that puts them in the lead as time expires on Saturday.
0: You know, the, the matchup to watch, and I wrote about this earlier this week uh, uh, in our uh, closer look at Utah story for Beaver's Edge, you know, I think this has been the matchup, Jared, that we've really been keeping an eye on in just about every game. And that's Oregon State's rush offense versus their opponents' run defense. And in my opinion, I don't think the Beavers have played a run defense that is as stout as Utah this year. And I think that's going to be the tremendous battle that determines this game. I mean, like I said, Oregon State averages just north of 240, 240 yards per game uh, on the ground. And Utah, meanwhile, 133 allowed per game. So with that much of a chasm between the two, like, you know, that's a 100 yards difference, Jared. Just how do you think that matchup is going to play out? And do you think Oregon State has maybe the edge being at home?
1: Uh, I would say so. I mean, I think that, you know, again, all it really comes down to for me is that we're looking at two teams who are pretty similar. Uh, I think that are, that are also kind of on opposite ends of, you know, the the hype train i guess you could say with with Oregon State game coming off the loss in Utah being in the situation that they're in but no i mean Utah has a has a strong running game uh, there's no doubt about it they've got multiple guys that you know can can tote the rock and, and have toted the rock so far this season i think it's like three guys that are pretty much like number one options for them so it's definitely a versatile group and one that you can't really solo in and and hone your defense in on one guy and say all right if we stop this guy uh you know that's our road to success but more so Oregon State will be doing well if they can get out there stop the run early and force Utah to throw the ball
0: yeah no I, I I agree you know the just as far as balance that's what Kyle Whittingham likes as well and as you mentioned they got several running backs you know that's that's Utah's bread and butter I mean you go back all the way to you know Matt Asiata in the very beginning of the you know Kyle Whittingham era. You know to Zach Moss, who's now playing for the Buffalo Bills, and it it just seems Jared like every you know every year they reload and have really good running backs. And you know I think this is going to be j- uh, more the same. And that's where I think Oregon State's improved run defense is going to get put to the test. I mean you talk about the Beavers and how they've really made meaningful strides compared to it's actually pretty amazing when you look at how much improvement, just simply run defense has been statistically since where, since Jonathan Smith and his staff arrived. And I think if, if they can hold their own uh, against, you know, Utah's rushing attack and, you know, kind of force cam rising into predictable passing situations. Uh, I, I think that'll be the Beavers is uh, kind of best chance uh, defensively. But the thing of it is Jared is like, like you mentioned, I see these as two somewhat Evenly matched teams, but I almost kind of uh, you know give Utah a slight advantage just because Cam Rising is playing better than Chance Nolan right now.
1: Yeah, and that is a big factor. You know, we did our superlatives. Um, what was it? The beginning of this week or in the last week? One of the two. Um, either way, we did our we did our midseason superlatives, and one of the one of the topics that we had. If you're a Beavers ed subscriber, I'm sure you saw. If not, one of the topics that we had was. Uh, which player has the most approve, prove uh, or, you know, which coach, which position group uh, has the most approve. I went, I, I chose Chance Nolan. And uh, I think everyone knows, and especially if you listen to this podcast or again, or, or a subscriber on Beaver's Edge, you, you know that I'm, a, I'm definitely a Chance Nolan fan. I, I believe in his ability. Um, and I think I talked about it in the last podcast, just that this, this slump that he's in is not going to last. And I still believe that, but like you said, as of now, you would probably have to give Utah the edge because again, like you said, evenly matched as far as the run game goes, maybe give the edge to Oregon state there. Uh, But then in the passing game, it it seems like Utah's quarterbacks a a little bit more efficient right now.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something that obviously is something that can change and something that, you know, very much can. And, you know, I, I I think that's a challenge that Chance Nolan is kind of taking in stride because I think, you know, just from our conversations uh, with him this week and again, your beaver's edge premium subscriber. You are able to see the videos uh, from practice this week that had the full rundown from the whole offensive staff talking, you know, what they worked on in the bye week same as the defensive staff. And, you know, Jared, it's interesting because chance Nolan kind of pretty much, you know, took it on the chin and was like, yeah, I haven't, you know, been as sharp as I need to be. And I need to get back to how I was playing against USC and, you know, talked about just, you know, staying level-headed and he's, he's saying all the right things from what we've uh, heard from the coaches He's had a really strong two weeks of practice. This to me is, is, is a big like prove it game for chance. Nolan, just because I think if I were to predict what's going to happen from Utah, just from what we've seen from them in previous years, I go back to, you know, 2018, 2019 and 2020 when Oregon state boasted really good running attacks with Jamar Jefferson, granted the rest of the team wasn't there, but the running attack was still strong. And, each time Utah had really shut that down and forced Oregon state to beat them through the air. And, you know, evidenced by the fact that Oregon state hasn't beat Utah since 2013, it hasn't worked. So that's where I think the matchup is going to be is it's going to, I think that onus is going to be on chance Nolan to make those throws. And I think that's going to be the factor and whether or not Oregon state's able to move the ball against, you know, a Utah team that I can see putting seven or eight in the box potentially to slow down this BJ Baylor and, uh, Deshaun Fenwick rushing attack uh, do, do you agree or do you think that's a little off base?
1: No I think I mean I think if I had to guess if, if there's an X factor if there's something that I think needs to happen for Oregon State to come out on top here I, I think I think they could survive obviously with the way the the running game has been going and and you know the defense is playing good enough to keep them in games as well I think what's going to send them over the edge and what did send them over the edge uh, against USC obviously and not as much against Washington but what what helped them get to that four and one and, and to that point where they were just feeling on top of the world was was a better quarterback play. Uh, so I think if they can get back to that, if Chance can can dial some things in, get really comfortable in front of the home fans, uh, maybe hit a big play early, get the confidence level up, then I think uh, I think that's how Oregon State could could turn this game into to one that they should win.
0: You know, you you think back to earlier this year, Oregon State hadn't beat USC and. In- an unbelievable amount of time—61 years—and Oregon State. You know, then the next, the next week hadn't beat Washington since I believe 20, 2011. 2011, I believe, for Washington was the last win uh, before this last one. The and Utah—they had
1: Hang on, the 61-year streak—that was only at USC, or was that?
0: That was. At USC, yes. I guess they hadn't—they hadn't beaten USC as a program since 2010. Yes,
1: okay, uh, yeah, correct. I was, about, yeah. I was about to say. I, that's I—I I, I knew, I knew. Remember, you were talking about the the USC at home streak. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I—I I was just making sure. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure. Even even still, yes. The, the like I said, it'd been 11 years since they'd beat the Trojans. Um, you know, just as uh, almost as much, you know, 10 years since they beat the Huskies prior to this, and you look at the Utes, you know, I, I wrote about it earlier this week, you know, it, it seems to me like it was just yesterday when Sean Mannion and Brandon Cooks, you know, had an incredible game in Rice Eccles Stadium when the Beavers won, but you know, there's, there's, I, I've, I've got some confidence in this group. They might be able to, to get this win this year, even if, even if Utah is kind of at their same level, just because of the progress that we've seen from Jonathan Smith, the steps. I mean, it's going to be a tough, tough challenge. Don't get me wrong, but I think following the bye week and just from what we've seen, how the Beavers have responded, you know, how they responded uh, following the Purdue loss and, you know, what we've heard from leaders following that Washington State loss, it didn't sit right. So I think Beavers are going to come out motivated in this game. And I think at Reeser Stadium in a, you know, fall afternoon leading into evening, I I think anything can happen.
1: Absolutely. I, I definitely agree. I think the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. And honestly, if you're going to lose a game, that may have been a good time to do it because leaves a sour taste in the guy's mouth for, for two whole weeks. Uh, definitely probably has them practicing harder, realizing that, okay, yes, we're still a good team, but we can't expect to go and, and beat other league opponents without playing as good as we can. So I think that uh, the, the bye week you know, came at a good time. The loss came at a good time. And if Oregon State can, can, can use that and has used that in these last couple weeks to practice, then, you know, I, I think they do have a chance. But it's definitely looking like it's going to be a closer game than it was at the beginning of the season. There's no doubt about that.
0: Switching gears a little bit, let's uh, move over to the recruiting trail exclusively, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast make sure to check out beaversedge.com as we'll uh, most likely be getting a uh, visitor list from the beavers uh, either friday uh, into the evening or posted on saturday Uh, that'll be uh, um, the thing to check out with uh, with jared but uh, i'm i'm curious from your perspective jared um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the commitment oregon state landed last night a bit of a late night uh, commitment but uh, a big one like literally and figuratively up front in Nathan Elu. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about him and uh, what what can he add to the 2022 class being the fourth offensive lineman in the fold?
1: Yeah, Nathan's a, a good player. he's a good good kid and a good player. Um, his recruitment really started to, to pick up um, a little bit later than uh, some of the other guys in the class but you know he had the offer from, from Arizona from Fresno State, San Jose State uh, Air Force and then Oregon State jumped in. And, you know, we talked about it before the podcast it seemed like when Oregon State came in, things really changed uh, in his mind. And instead of dragging out the process, I think for him, it was something where he was just like, OK, I want to I, I see what's going on here. I want to be a part of that because, I mean, the offer only came in five days ago. For those who are unaware, October 16th um, was when the, the Beebs offered Nathan. Uh, He had he had visited Oregon State prior to that, um, but the offer only came in five days ago. So, again, this to me feels like something where, you know, he got on campus last month and still even had the other offers. But after he got on campus at Oregon State was like, okay, this is where I want to be. If these guys offer, I'm not going to waste any time. Uh, I'm going to make this thing happen. And that's exactly that's exactly what we saw. Matter of fact. Uh, we weren't even expecting the commitment to come when it did uh, so we were even caught a little bit off guard by it so <laughs> it was just he definitely was excited to uh, to make things official there's no doubt
0: yeah no I, I absolutely and I think you know more than anything you know Jared you know oftentimes we get asked quite a bit and you know like what do coaches do during their bye week what do they do during their bye week and you know it was funny because talking to, um, you know, Tim Tibisar earlier this week, one of the local media, you know, just had the, the, the comment, like, you know, how, what did you do during, during the quote unquote off week? Like you would ask any coach and he kind of chuckled and was like off we were we were off recruiting. And you know, that that's kind of like how you're seeing it here. And this is exactly how that played out with Jim Mahalchek. They're doing everything they do, you know, in a normal course of the week. Take off, you know, he goes down to see uh, Junipero Sarah play Valley Christian last week down in San Mateo and, you know, gets to see uh, Elu play. Elu is, you know, taken back by the fact that Jim Mahalchuk came down to visit him and, you know, basically is, like you said, ready to go from there. I, I just I think that speaks volumes to kind of showing how impactful even just a coach getting freed up for 48 hours can be on a recruiting off
1: weekend. Absolutely, no, it's definitely a big deal. And, you know, Coach Hemp's had a great cycle uh, so far this year. That, that was their fourth pickup on the offensive line. And although he maybe wasn't the, the highest recruited, he's, he's the biggest. Um, and that is, a, that is a big deal um, with, with Lopez and, and uh, Jacob Strand and uh, Luke Vinci, It's already in the class. Obviously, he was, he's already looking pretty strong, but then he goes and adds another guy who's currently standing 6'5", nearly 300 pounds. Um, definitely, a, definitely a great late addition, and somebody who you can tell just kind of by what we were talking about seems to be all in with Oregon State.
0: You know, it's interesting, Jared. When we talked a couple of weeks ago, you know, you and I were kind of like, what? You know, we, we, we pretty much thought that Oregon State's, the crux of the 2022 class was, was pretty well set, and I, I posed the question to you asking kind of, what you thought they would do if they added another piece. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I definitely don't remember you and I thinking they were going to add an offensive lineman. Did that kind of surprise you to, that they added a fourth offensive lineman?
1: It did, it did. You know, the, the class is not – I mean, obviously it's going to be bigger and already is bigger than than uh, last year's class, but it's still not going to be huge. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting four offensive linemen, but I think with a guy uh, like, like Nathan, it's just – it's a worthy addition. Um, Clearly the, the interest was, was very mutual. So I I see no problem with it. And and I think, you know, like I said, I think it speaks to the job that that coach M is doing so far with, with this year's recruiting class.
0: Uh, Down the stretch between here and December. I'm curious what, as you look at this, you know, recruiting class now, and as you mentioned, uh, Beaver fans will be much, very happy to know much bigger than last year. I mean, Jared, last year's class was, It'll it'll have to go down in the in the history books. You know, you'll look at it years and years down the line and go, "Wow, that that was a really small class." Just by circumstance, obviously, it wasn't. You know, for lack of trying, it was just the the card that they dealt. But very unique.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's unlike th- anything I've ever seen before. I think the final scholarship number was ten, um, so certainly a small small class. I mean, we talked about it a lot last year. Uh, they were all impactful additions. So still a strong class despite the size, um, but absolutely a very, very yeah. class.
0: Talk a little bit about, you know, as you look at the class now, what do you think are the biggest priorities down the stretch? Do you think they're in a position to still add a couple more guys? Or do you think with 13, uh, you know, what do you think the final number is going to be there? and if you do think they're going to add? Uh, what position do you think they might target? I know you just did a big board update for Beaver's Edge.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely don't think they're done yet. Um, two, two places really stand out to me, and that's wide receiver and defensive back. Um, if you look at the recent offers, it seems like Coach Blue's starting to, to take a look more at JUCO guys again. Uh, offered Zoff Frazier recently, Ryan Cooper, both JUCO guys, uh, one, at, one at Coffeyville in Kansas and the other at uh, College of San Mateo. And then Keontae Scott as well. All, all these guys that I'm naming um, are, are super high-recruited guys, Marquise Gilbert, Major Williams, all just JUCO defensive backs. So I think that they are looking for another addition uh, at that spot. Obviously, Coach Blue's got a pretty good track record so far developing these JUCO guys. So I think it's absolutely a good thing to be seeing those offers start, start to come about. Um, and then at wide receiver, uh, it's the only position so far where they don't have uh, a commitment at. They had, they had Cole Prusia, or, or Prusia, however you want to say it, at the beginning of, of the cycle, um, but he took his talents instead, I believe, to Princeton. So no one, no one there. There's some targets on the board uh, who intrigued me and I'm sure intrigued the staff as well. So I don't expect that to be a, a spot where they don't have anybody committed at the end of this class. They just offered uh, Justias Lowe, uh, who's, a, who's an in-state guy, so I think, I think they're definitely trying to get a wide receiver as well. So I definitely think that, that Oregon State fans should, should be expecting to see a little bit more prior to uh, the December and February signing days.
0: Definitely exciting times on the recruiting trail. And, you know, um, like you said, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it finishes up down the stretch. And kind of the, the last question I had for you, Jared, I'm going to put you on the spot. Out of the 13 that are in there right now, which one should your fans be most excited for?
1: Oh that's that is a tough one. Uh, let me let me think. I mean if we're going off purely off of numbers, I think a guy who maybe people didn't know a lot about but as the season's progressing are starting to realize like dang we may have gotten a steal is probably Takari Hickel. Uh, I mean it's really hard to argue with guys like Damian Martinez. Uh, who's putting up insane numbers in Texas. Mm, Travis Travis Throckmorton's putting up insane numbers um, at that quarterback spot. Dylan Lopez obviously plays on probably the best high school offensive line in the country. So, I mean, it's a really solid class, but I think who surprised me the most um, and who people should definitely be excited about is is Takari Hickel because he wasn't a highly recruited guy, but if you follow our Following the Future uh, update that we do every week with with each commitment stats he's just been he's been doing some insane things and not only not only on defense too he plays all over the field for uh, for Tenino and literally i mean just you you just have to go look at the numbers but let's just say this last week he had 13 tackles 5 tackles for loss and two sacks as well as 187 rushing yards and a touchdown so the kid's a freak athlete Um, and I think, I think people should definitely be excited about him.
0: I was hoping you were going to say Takari and you know, that's, that, that's, that's the guy that's been most impressive. As I mentioned, watching your following the future, it's awesome way to kind of see exactly each week what the guys are doing. And, you know, a couple others that you mentioned as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so all in on Damian Martinez. I think he's going to be just the next great Oregon state running back. And it's going to be really exciting to get him on campus as well. Uh, Just kind of, you know, starting to, uh, you know, kind of wrap up the podcast here, just kind of sticking on the theme of recruiting. We mentioned it a little bit with, like, official visitors. How important could it be to kind of Oregon State have a strong recruiting finish to the season in the second half and obviously uh, a strong football finish? Because if all goes well this year, the Beavers, you know, unlike the previous years, could potentially still be playing, you know, when that signing day happens into, you know, Hopefully fingers crossed the postseason. How much could it impact recruiting for them to have a strong second half of the season on the field?
1: Yeah, no, it could be it could be big and you know I think, I think they'd kind of go hand in hand, uh, not to sound like a broken record because I've said it a lot, but we did write a story at the beginning of the or during the off season saying that Oregon State needed to improve the product on the field to improve their recruiting. and so far that's happened. Uh, I think you're seeing it in both aspects. Obviously the team being at four and two, uh, right now at the halfway point and in the class being as strong as it is um, so I think absolutely I think uh you know continuing to play really well will not only help um, not only help other guys start to take notice but also will help them you know keep everybody who's committed right now firm uh, but it also you know the, the effect will will pay off years down the road as well I mean there's 2023 guys starting to take notice I saw a 2023 offensive lineman uh, quote Nathan's commitment post last night. Um, so I mean, it's already starting to make a little bit of waves. You just have to, got to be patient, and they definitely have to to keep up what they've been doing on the field for sure.
0: Like I said, it's it's going to be an important last half of the season. Oregon State with a four and two mark, they got six games left. There's some tough ones left on the schedule, and. You know, they need two more to get to the postseason. And, you know, that's that's the first goal of this year. I know the team has loftier goals than just making six, as do, you know, a lot of fans, but that at the bare minimum is what was expected this year. And, you know, it's gonna be really interesting to see how the Beavers play, you know, coming off a of bye week, as you mentioned, four and two, some good, uh, more good than typical years recently, but still some bad that they need to get cleaned up and and I think the team will be the first to tell you that. So it's really going to be a great matchup. And uh, this weekend between the Beavers and Utah again, 430 uh, is that kickoff at research stadium on PAC 12 network and make sure to tune back into beaversedge.com for coverage leading all the way into the matchup. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we'll have visitor list. We'll have staff predictions, injury report, uh, the whole nine yards. So beaversedge.com is the place to be. And we've got a promo going right now. You can join, get full access to all of our videos, all of our recruiting content everything we've got to offer, and join the damn board, have a whole online Oregon State community. Uh, again, you can uh, head on over to the front page and join free for 30 days. It is the place to get all your Oregon State coverage. So for Jared House, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the podcast. Big thanks to you, Jared, and uh, we'll uh, talk again next week, my friend.
1: Absolutely. It, it was good as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening
0: appreciate it jared and i'll be back next week to recap utah and look ahead to oregon state's matchup against cal